Hey, my name is Britton, if you're new to Moran Park. Um, before we get into the teaching today, I have, I have one announcement. Um, over the past couple weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be the family of God. And um, each week is going to build on one another. So I do encourage you, if you've missed the past couple weeks, go back and listen to those. I mean, this morning hopefully will make sense if you haven't listened to that, but it'll give you more context if you go back and listen to the past two weeks of what it means to be part of the family of God. Um, this morning, I'm going to talk about some different roles in the family of God, and specifically talking about elders. And so um, I'm going to get this out of the way now because likely I'll just get rolling and totally forget about it. And so um, we are beginning the process of adding additional elders here at Moran. And uh, the part that you play in that is you have the ability on the front end to nominate people you think would be good uh, elders. And the qualification of an elder is found uh, on these sheets of nomination. They're up in the front, on the half wall. There's some in the back table as well. Um, you can read the back of the qualifications and the role of an elder. Um, you know, those that are spiritually mature among us to be examples to the flock. Um, if you have someone in mind that you want to nominate, you can do so by filling out this uh, sheet and dropping in the drop box where a lot of the offering goes. And that's in the back on the wall there. And there's a one on the wall over here. You can also do this online if that's easier. Um, you can just go to moranpark.org and there you can find that as well. So you have a week to do that. The way that it works after that is as elders we, we pray through the nominations and we discern who does the Lord want to move forward in the process to potentially become an elder. Um, and if the Lord says for certain people to move forward, we, we begin this um, discernment process with them. Some of it's their own discernment. Is the Lord calling me to this? Do I feel like I meet the qualifications? And, and we have conversations with them as well to see, hey, what is God stirring? Is this what he has for you and for Moran Park in this season? It's very relational. A lot of conversations. And then when we get to the point when we feel like we've prayed about it, feel like, okay, these are the ones that God seems to be saying, step in to be elders in this season. We'll present them to you. That'll be in a couple weeks. We'll present them to you to make sure we haven't missed anything. And then you'll have the opportunity to bring up any biblical concerns uh, for them being an elder, and then we will move forward with them being an elder. Make sense? Any questions? Just ask. But that's the gist of it today. So that's your role. Pray about that. You can fill out a form or do that online. Okay, good. Okay, um, you know, before we get into teaching today, let's just pray real quick. All right, God. We need you, we need you, we need you. Would you give me the words to say, lead me where you want me to go? God, would you give us hearts to receive from you today? Um, that we'd hear clearly from you today, God. That our hearts would be set ablaze for Jesus more today, growing a greater love and affection for him above all else. That we may grow in the truth and understanding, an uh, understanding of the truth today. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that promises to do that, and we trust that he will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, before we get into the word today, we're going to be in 1 Peter 5. Before we get there, I've got something I want to share with you. This song's been on my mind this week, and I just want to play it out of the speaker today. It's not that fancy. It doesn't have Bluetooth, so you're just going to have to bear with me for a hot minute. All right. This is a well-known song. It's called the doxology. Um, don't get too overwhelmed by the speaker. It's pretty, it, it plays different colors, so I'm just going to warn you that it's pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, it doesn't have any volume on it, so it's got one sound, so I'm going to hopefully play it on this because it's, it's pretty quiet. But it's, a, it's still a, it's a powerful song. Just, just kind of enjoy, enjoy this. 
I think. Oh, I got to turn it on. See, that's the key. See, told you the lights are pretty rad. It was, uh, all right, let me, let me try that one again. Oh, see, there we go. Okay, okay, that's not bad. Um, this, the, imagine though, like if this is the only way that you know how to experience music was through a $3 speaker from the dollar store, right? It's functional, does the job, but it's kind of missing, I don't know, some of the high stuff, some of the low stuff. It, it misses a lot of it. So let, let's listen to it again, but we're going to listen to it in a different speaker. As good as this one is, let's listen to it in another speaker. Okay, this is a little more high-tech. It's Bluetooth, so I don't have to plug this guy in. So let's hopefully this one works. All right, let's try it here. Let's listen to the song again. Already pretty good. That's pretty good. That was better, right? Right? It sounded, it sounded much fuller, had some deeper stuff to it. I'm not musicals. So I don't know the right terms, but deeper stuff. But it was even better. So, like, imagine if, if you only knew a cheap speaker to listen to music. You'd be like, oh, this is good. This is all I know. But then when you hear something even better, a more high-quality speaker, you're like, whoa, this is even better than what it was before. I had no idea this existed. This is awesome. But what if you only knew music by you simply passively sitting there and listening to it and didn't know what it felt like to actually participate in the uh, participation of the music itself? So let's try participating. I want you to stand up, and we're going to sing this. I want you to sing this with, uh, as Daniel says, gusto, right? Sing it from the heart, from the gut, um, and praise God that Daniel's up here to lead us in this. Uh, and not me. Yeah, here we go. We're going to go. Da-na. Ready? Just with some. Mm. All right. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise 
With some real gusto here. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. See, that's awesome. Uh, so tell me a little bit, what... Was it better for you to participate in it? Yeah. Why? Why? It means something. It means something. I like that. That's good. Felt surrounded. You feel connected by participating in it, right? And doing it with others. Yeah, that's, that's good. Engage your heart and your spirit by you actually, yeah, yeah, yeah I like that. That's good. Seth? Changing our brain chemistry in, by, by us participating, is that what you mean? What was that? Putting ourselves out there by, I guess especially if you can be heard by the people around you, you're putting yourself out there, right? That, that's true. There, there is something about us participating, and, and I don't even think about it, if you take it a step further, and imagine that we had like a full orchestra of people where we're not all doing the same thing of singing. And, uh, but we all are having a different part to play, right? Some are playing the cello, some are playing the violin, some are playing the, what else is in the, what was it? Bass, yeah, right? The gong, the gong is that one? The triangle, I don't, I don't know. Cowbell, a lot of cowbell. Um, <laughs> but imagine, right, like we all, we're participating with different musical instruments that we play. And I think that's, that's a picture of what it means to be part of the family of God, is that we are invited not just to simply receive and observe, but to participate. And even when we talk today about what it means to be elders, I think that the framework of an orchestra is actually helpful. We'll talk about it in the context of family, but in the context of an orchestra is actually pretty helpful too because really the role of an elder, an elder in the family of God is someone that's like um, in the first chair. I, I, all right, this is, this is new to me, right? I've never grew up in, the, in a band or an orchestra, but apparently the, the leader of each section, usually the best player in each section, sat what was called the first chair, right? There's first chair, second chair, third chair, on down the line. And the first chair's responsibility for each, each section of the orchestra is not just to be the best, but there to be a model for the rest of the people to look up to. They're the ones that were making sure that their section was encouraged. They had what they needed. They were doing what they're supposed to. They were helping, giving them tricks and tips and helping them become better at their craft and at their particular instrument. They were a model for the rest of the people in that section, but they also were hands-on in helping them become better. And that's the role of an elder, is to be a model for the rest, to help build up the body of Christ and grow us into greater maturity. Now, it's interesting that the elder is not the one doing the conducting of an orchestra. That's Jesus. Jesus is the director, and the elders are simply the ones listening and paying attention to eyes on the conductor and helping the rest of us as we all watch the conductor grow in greater maturity and better at our instrument. That's a picture of what it means to be an elder. And I think that's what I want to talk about today, the role of an elder on how we have some misconceptions, misunderstandings, but an incredibly important task within the body of Christ. There are two... Um, 
what's the word, offices that we see in scripture that are used. Now, we all get to participate. We all have different roles, but there are two different offices that we see in scripture, one of them being an elder, the other being a deacon. The elder for the spiritual maturity and shepherding and leading of of the body of Christ, the family of God, but the deacons take on the more practical needs and practical help. And so if you look at it in the context of an orchestra, maybe the deacons are ones that are like, um, they're making sure the instruments are clean. They're making sure that all the sheet music is copied in place. They're the ones that are making sure that the tickets are sold and that the venue is clean for things to take, the, the, the thing to take part. It's not that one's more important than another. They're just different functions, both necessary for the ongoing work of, of the orchestra. Um, and, th- and that's the same thing. It's not that those two are the only roles, the only important roles. There has to be a bunch of musicians. If there are no musicians, and if there's only a first chair in each area and, and someone getting the venue ready, it, it fails to be a good concert. Make sense? And that's the thing even we're talking about in the, in the family setting. Elders are like, and there's two ways of looking at it, right? Spiritual moms and dads that help us grow in greater maturity. Sometimes that can be kind of abused, um, though I think it's a good example. So maybe a better example for some of us would be spiritual like um, older brothers and sisters. I'm the oldest of five kids, and so part of it with my younger siblings was teaching them and helping them and watching them as an older sibling, because I'm older and I've been through it. I could help them avoid the mistakes that I've made or help lead them into bad decisions along with me, right? One of those two, two, two things. So I want to look predominantly at 1 Peter chapter 5 as we talk about what an elder is and, and does and why it's important as we look at adding additional elders. It's Peter writing this letter, and uh, these are his words of encouragement to the elders of the church. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. So I, meaning I, Peter, exhort or encourage The elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. All right, stop there for a minute. Now, in this section, you see three different terms that are used for elder. And I think sometimes, based on your tradition, um, we, we separate these three different roles. And the first term that's used for elder is simply, it means elder means older person. And it's an older person that is an example to the rest of the flock. It's an older person who's not just like old uh, age-wise. No, I mean, oftentimes if, if you're old age-wise, typically you've been following the Lord for a while, but simply older in the faith. Those who've been following Jesus for a longer period of time, those who are older among you, those are what, what elders are. They're older people among us. Now, there's two other terms that we see used throughout the New Testament to refer to the same office of elder. And those two terms are overseer and shepherd or pastor. Sometimes what we do is we make three different uh, roles for these different titles. We say there's the role of an elder, there's the role of a pastor, there's the role of a, 
an overseer or sometimes it's called a bishop. But I think what you see in scripture and you see here in 1 Peter chapter 5 as well as elsewhere, that these three terms are actually used interchangeably and they're titles that are used to help us understand the role and the task of an elder. They're not three separate things, it's one role in three different aspects of that one particular role. And we see that here in verse 2. He's saying, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That word shepherd is used in 1 Peter or 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 for the, the qualifications of an elder. And, and the term shepherding is used to describe what an elder does. It's one of the primary things an elder does is to shepherd. And we'll get to what that looks like in a minute. But then that's not it. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight or oversee not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. So then he's saying the second thing is to oversee. The two primary roles of an elder are to shepherd and to oversee. Now, what, what does that mean? I think sometimes we have a uh, skewed understanding of what the role of a shepherd is or what shepherding means. See, one of the primary ways that we are told a shepherd is to operate is actually through teaching. Actually, let's, let's turn there. I think this should be up there. Acts chapter 20. Acts 20, 28. Uh, Acts 20, 28. Um, Paul is gathering the church, the elders of Ephesus, and he's speaking to the elders in this particular city, and he's encouraging them to do their job well as elders. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Pause there for a minute, right? As someone's put into the office in the role of an overseer elder, not by voting, not by manipulation, not by time served, not by anything else other than they meet the qualifications and the Holy Spirit is the one that puts someone in that particular office. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers and to care for the church of God. That word care is the word shepherd. So you see those same two words there. To oversee and to care the church of God, the two primary roles of an elder. And then he goes on to explain, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Okay, stop there for just a second. I think what he's saying here is one of the primary ways that elders shepherd is that they take care of watching over the flock for wolves. Wolves are false teachers. One of the primary ways that shepherds shepherd or elders shepherd is through the ministry of teaching, the role of teaching. I think that's one of the reasons why when you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, and the whole list of the qualifications of an elder, right? Um, you, could, you could think, well, what, what would qualify someone to be elder? Almost all of them are character. Almost every single one of the, of the, of the qualifications to be an elder is character, Christ-like character. Are they mature in their Christ-likeness? Are they mature in their character? There are two competencies. One of the competencies one of the skills required to be an elder is the ability to teach. Now, I think based on tradition, we have narrowly defined what it looks like to be able to teach. 
We have said, based on tradition, teaching means you get up in front of hundreds of people and you preach to them. That is a way to teach. But oftentimes, I think what we see is that teaching is sometimes more effective and more personal when it happens in a one-on-one setting or in a smaller setting. Where an elder is the one that's coming and going, hey, things feel a little crazy over here. I'm going to step in. Let's go to the word. What's the word say? Where someone comes and says, hey, this person over here is teaching X, Y, and Z about Jesus being one of many options, or this craziness, or this craziness, an elder will then point to Scripture and say, this is what the Word says to help correct false teaching. One of the primary things that an elder does is to teach the Word. Not always up in front like this, but sometimes in conversations. So when you're thinking about who's God calling to be an elder, who are the people among you that when you have a question, you go to and they point to the Word? Who are the people among you when you're like, I'm not sure what the word says about this or what does God say about this, that they point you to scripture and they're able to say, this is what God says about X, Y, or Z because of scripture. I think oftentimes we have a a problem in the church today of biblical illiteracy. And I think we have to understand that the role of an elder isn't simply to come in and do all the teaching for you, but through the teaching help build you up into greater maturity so that you can function as part of the family of God. So here, here's, here's an example. Um, okay. Maybe someone comes to you, and maybe someone... Yeah, yeah. Instead of... Uh, sorry, I'm going, my mind's going all over the place. Instead of... Uh, instead of them just giving you the answer to things... Oftentimes, you'll find that an elder is going to be the one that opens up Scripture with you and helps you see for yourself where it is in the Word. I think sometimes we want elders to come in and do the work for us, where it's like, oh my gosh, have you seen this person? They're in great sin. Elder, why don't you go over there and deal with it? But we forget Matthew chapter 18 says our first job is that as part of the family of God with brothers and sisters, it's our job to first go to them and deal with the sin. And then if they don't listen, we take someone else and then we take it to the church. See, the job of the elder isn't to step in and do all the work for you. The job of the elder is to train you and teach you so that you can stand on your own two feet and that you can teach others. Sometimes I think we, we ask the elders to overcompensate for us and do it all for us rather than go to them when we run into a problem. It's like, I've tried to solve this problem. I've got this relational issue with someone. I've, I've tried to help these people work it out. I'm stuck. I can't do it. Hey, elder, will you come in and help do this? You've got more wisdom. Help us navigate this. But they're not the one coming in and doing it for us, right? But sometimes I think we look to the elder to do it for us. Oh, hang, hang on one second. Are you cool if I take this? Sorry, it's just, it's an emergency, just a second. It's my mom. Mom. Yeah, sorry, no, not, not the best time. I'm in the middle of teaching, I'm ran. No, no, it's cool, it's an emergency. I appreciate you calling me, it means, it means a lot. Yeah, I was, I, like, I woke up this morning, I was totally freaked out. I panicked because I was gonna get dressed, I was in the process of getting dressed to come to Moran this morning, and I realized I'm all out of clean clothes. Yeah, I know, it's a, it's a mess. Well, I thought, yeah, I thought I had it taken care of, but I ended up just wearing some slightly dirty things because I panicked because I don't know how to do the laundry. And so I was wondering when, if you could come over this afternoon and do my laundry for me. Yeah, okay. Thank you. That, that means so much to me. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. We'll, we'll, we'll catch you later. Thank you. My mom is the best, isn't she? 
she just like, she knows when I'm in trouble. She saves the day. Now, honestly, would that not be weird if that were true? I'm almost 38 years old. Would that not be weird? You'd look at me like, what a weirdo if I was still looking to my mom to do my laundry for me. See, early on when I was a kid, she was super hands-on. She did my laundry for me. But by the time we got to sixth grade, she said, okay, it's time for you to learn how to do the laundry. Get over here, and I will show you how to do the laundry. She taught us to do the laundry. She walked with us. When I ran into problems, I'm like, what goes in hot again? What goes in cold again? How much stuff do I put in? She was always there to help me. And praise God she taught me how to do that because when I got to be on my own out of the house, I wasn't like the guys I lived with who did the laundry and washing their sheets one time a year, right? I knew how to wash my sheets twice a year instead of one time a year, right? So, no, it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. And yes, it was simple. Everything went into, you know, warm water. It all went together, but it, it, it got washed. And now um, I'm able to do the laundry on my own because that's a role of a parent. The role of the parent isn't to do it for you for eternity. The role of the parent is to do it for a while, much more hands-on at first, but to teach you to be self-sustaining and to teach you how to do it on your own. And they're always still available if you run into problems. That's what it is for a parent today. Like, I go to my mom now not to parent me. I go to my mom not to get permission for things. I go to my mom now because she's a woman of great wisdom, and I want to know what she thinks about X, Y, or Z because she's lived life, right? That's the role of an elder. The elder isn't the one that's forever going to be the one to raise you. The elder is the one that's going to help you get started, teach you how to do it. But the one who is available, if you run into an, a pr situation or predicament, you don't know what to do, you, you've run stuck, and then you go to them to help get you out of it, help show you the way out of it and give you wisdom so that you can grow a greater maturity on your own. So I think sometimes... We've said, oh, we need to be shepherded, we need to be shepherded, we need to be shepherded, and it's true, we do need to be shepherded, but sometimes I think we're wanting to be shepherded in ways that are way past our maturity level of what we should be asking to be shepherded in. Like, the heart of an elder should be not to make you dependent upon them. And sometimes it's kind of hard because if we're honest, I think sometimes if we're not careful, we like to be needed. And so there's a temptation to put ourselves in positions where we're needed and not make you, to continue to help you be dependent on us because we like to continue to be dependent on, right? It's a little bit of a codependent relationship. But a mature elder says, no, no, you don't need me for everything. I want to make you grow in greater maturity. The thing too is though, sometimes we're afraid of making mistakes, or we're afraid of screwing it up. We're like, I'm not as good as so-and-so, and I'm not as good as so-and-so in that. And that's the reality. When you're growing in things, you're not as good at things as the people around you. But when you're in a safe environment of learning to try things and it'd be okay to make mistakes and have elders there that encourage you and build you up and support you when you screw up, then you're not afraid to make mistakes. Because in the word, it says, yes, you can call the elders when you're sick to lay hands on you, but they're not the only ones that get to pray for the sick. You have the power and authority to go pray for the sick and see the sick people may be made well. It's not just the elders' responsibility, though it is in part to check up on and encourage and support the, the body of Christ. But if you stop and think about it, what if we had, we have five elders now, what if we end up having like 10 or 12 elders? I don't know how many we're going to have, the Lord, the Lord knows. But sometimes I wonder if we have this expectation where 
What if, what if the elders are responsible for calling everyone in the church every week, every month? That would be fine. But wouldn't it be more powerful if they trained you how to be family together so that you were in each other's lives, meeting one another's needs, so that you were confessing sin to one another, so that you were not alone and isolated, but you were encouraging and building one another up, so that you were pointing to the word with one another, so that you were supporting one another, and that when you ran into an issue or a problem, you went to the elders and not, not depending on them to do all the work for you. Right? That's, the, that's a gift of an elder. Elders are a gift. But when we talk about elders... It is to help you grow in greater understanding of the things God's calling you to step into and do wholeheartedly, not for them to do it in place of you. Okay, let's keep moving. Oh, yes. Sometimes I think we are afraid. I think sometimes we are more afraid of people making mistakes than, than, than the Holy Spirit is. I, I'm always amazed that when Paul would go start a church, he would go to a new place, usually in a public place, he's sharing the gospel. Sometimes it was well received, sometimes they stoned him, sometimes it didn't go well. But when he'd find people that were open to the gospel, he'd, he'd take them in and he'd disciple them, he'd teach them for a little bit. And usually he only stayed a short amount of time, usually it was only like weeks or months. And then he'd be like, okay, here's the basics, see ya, I'll come back. And at times, he wouldn't come back for, for weeks, sometimes months, sometimes he wouldn't come back for years. And he trusted them to the Holy Spirit. And it's when they came back that he saw who was faithful among them, who had risen up among them. And then he appointed elders. Elders weren't appointed at first. Elders were appointed afterwards to help shepherd and steward what the Lord had already begun. After people already had an understanding, it is our job to be actively part of the family of God. The elders now help simply encourage us to grow in greater maturity, not do it for us. And I believe that's what it looks like here. Okay, secondly, not just to shepherd, the role of an elder is to shepherd, but the role of an elder is also to manage and oversee. And I think sometimes where we've gotten a little off in this in the American church is we subconsciously turn to the business world for understanding on how to run the church. So what we do is we, we even use terms like, listen to this, right? We even use terms like, um, like board of elders. Have you guys ever heard that term, board of elders or the elder board? That term is never used in scripture. I'm not saying it's like evil. I'm just saying it's not used in scripture. That's why you will never he hear me use the term elder board because I don't think God wants us to operate like a board. I think God wants us to operate like a family with spiritual moms and dads and spiritual older brothers and sisters. Because an elder board has this idea that everything flows from the top down. You've got to get permission from the top down. And I think what we understand is as the family of God, we all have access to the Holy Spirit to listen and obey what he says and not have to run everything through the elders. The elders aren't the people you got to get permission for everything. They say, hey, are we walking in bounds and in lines with what Scripture says? If so, go crazy. Well, not like, like really crazy, but go, go holy, holy crazy. Like go, is that, go, do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, right? Do, do that. But instead of saying, i got to get all this permission from, from the elders. And sometimes I think what ends up happening then is we picture a group of people that sit in a back room and make decisions and never interact with the people. And there are times, Acts 15 is a great example, there are times where elders get together and they just got to make decisions about particular things. That's true, that happens. But one of the primary things that an elder does is elders are very relational. Elders are among the people. 
Elders are the people who know what's going on. Maybe, maybe can't know everything about everyone that's going on, but maybe they have a certain group of people that they're in relationship with. And elders are stepping in when they see an issue. They're encouraging when they need to. They, they teach on this when they need to. They hear of an issue. They step into that. But it's very relational. They're not separate from the people in a back room making all these decisions. They're out among the people. So when we start thinking about who's got calling to be an elder, don't just think about who's got good business skills because business skills aren't actually a requirement to be an elder. God the character is. It's not people who are efficient and running businesses and those types of things. It's who has the character of God and who are out among the people in relationship with them. Because this is where it says, back to uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, right? It says, if you want to be an elder, don't do it under compulsion, like out of that you know, religious obligation, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, not right to get something out of it for yourselves, but eagerly, and this is where it says in verse three, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. That's a key thing. It's hard to be example to the flock if you don't get to see how someone lives their lives. The elders are the ones among us as you look to as they're a model for us on how to be parents, how to be a spouse. They're the models among us of how to handle difficult situations, how to handle being slandered or gossiped about. They're the ones that are models for us on how do they forgive. They're models for us on how to listen and obey the Lord. They're models for us, right? But oftentimes, the way that happens is because we're living life close enough with them that we can see how they deal with it in their everyday life. So if God's calling you to be an elder, praise God. But I say, if God's calling you to be an elder, that means that you're willing to give access, not, not access to everybody all the time, but to access to people into your life so they can see you. And that's a scary thing because they're going to realize really quickly, though you may be mature in some things, you're not perfect. Am I right? That you will screw up. But praise God, you are, here's the thing. Jesus is the perfect example. He's simply asking us to be a living example. So elders, when... When we invite people in and they see us screw up, it's an example on how do you repent? How do you acknowledge your wrong? How do you work through your problems? How do you do those particular things as we grow in maturity together? I think that's what it means to oversee. Yep, keep things in order, keep things in, 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 in between the ditches, but really say, are we growing in greater maturity together? All right, real quick. I don't have time to get into the qualifications, but there's all based on um, a lot of them on character. So you have to go look up 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, as it lays out these qualifications and character. Um, but real quick, I will say, based on your, your background or tradition, some of you, you know, can women be elders? We do have women that are elders here currently, and we believe women can be elders. I don't have time to get into the depth of that, but I will say, it's one of the last teachings I did before, before COVID hit. I think it was either the end of February or the beginning of March of 2020. I taught on this in more depth. So if you want to go into that for a greater understanding, just go listen to that. You'll, again, look end of February into March of last year, and you'll be able to see more depth. But here's the thing I think the Lord's calling us to at Moran Park. The Lord is calling us to press in to be spiritual family together, as I've mentioned in the past two weeks. I think practically that looks like we have more intimate spiritual families that we're operating in life together and caring for one another and then we have these gatherings of a more of extended family. I don't think the pattern that you see in scripture is that every little spiritual family has an elder. 
I think that would be awesome and that would be ideal, but the hope is that actually we see so many new people coming to faith in Jesus Christ and new spiritual families being birthed that we can't even keep up with it by appointing elders in each one of those spiritual families. The pattern that you actually see in the New Testament is that while these spiritual families are meeting in homes all over the place, you have the, this extended family of a city. And the elders were appointed over a city. Titus, um, actually I'll just read that one. Titus 1.5, he's saying, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. They're referred to the elders of the church in Ephesus, the elders of the church in so-and-so. And so we don't know how we're going to do this at Moran. We don't know if we're going to have elders that are responsible for certain groups of spiritual families. We don't know if it's going to be that formal. We're, we don't know how that's going to work. But our, our heart is saying, while there's not maybe an elder in every single spiritual family, you're going to have access, more relationship with some of the elders so that you know who you can call on to if you run into an issue. You know, where do I go? Who do I turn to if I've got a question? Again, sometimes their answer might be really frustrating to you because they might say, here, I want to teach you. Now you go deal with it with someone else for you. Uh, on your, they're not going to do it on your behalf. They're going to say, here, here's how you deal with it. Go deal with it. But they're going to equip you and train you. That you're going to have more relationship and more access to the elders. And so we're still trying to work through how practically does that look. I think part of it is just going to depend how many elders does the Lord raise up here at Moran. We, we don't know right, how many that's going to be. But the goal is to continue to make them more visible to you and more in relationship with you so that they can spur you on, encourage you, they can oversee the church, but they can do it in a way of shepherding that builds you up into greater maturity and helps you understand the place that God has for you in the family of God and that you can walk obediently in those particular things. Next week, we're going to get into more different, different roles within the family of God. But we wanted to start with elders because we felt like the Lord was saying it's time to move forward in adding additional elders to the current elders at Moran Park and to start shifting this understanding of elders being spiritual mothers and fathers, spiritual older brothers and sisters in the family of God that help us grow into greater maturity together. So here's my ask for you. My ask for you is that you would take seriously this week praying about who, who around you, who do you see that meet the qualifications for an elder. And then my ask of you is that you'd nominate them. Don't take it lightly, take it seriously. But you'd pray about it and that you'd nominate them. Now, just because you nominate them, again, doesn't guarantee they become an elder, but they go through the process of discernment to see. Because I think for, to really step into what God's calling us to be as family in this next season, uh, all of us playing our role is gonna be vitally important, but also really having Elders stepping into the biblical role of an elder is going to be vitally important, and we can't take it lightly. Cool? All right, if you've got additional questions, I could talk about this for hours and hours, and I won't. If you have additional questions, please don't hesitate to ask, as always. Um, but again, uh, if you don't remember the biblical qualifications for an elder, they are printed on the sheet as well, if you forgot those verses. So anyway, let's pray. We'll worship a little bit as well. God, we do ask that you would continue to raise up uh, men and women here to be, to be elders. We know it's not the, the most important or the only role within the body of Christ. We know it is, it is important. And so, God, we want to know your heart. 
we want to know who it is that you're calling to step into this role and other roles like and as we start talking later on about adding deacons or adding this role or that role like god would you make it clear to all of us what what each of our role is but i do ask god that you would not allow any of us to be content being passive or disqualifying ourselves i thank you god that we all have a part to play we all have a role to play that uh no we might not all be the best in this or that thing but it doesn't disqualify us from not getting to participate. So I thank you, God, for, um, even as it says in your word, right? We're we're a body, we all play different parts, but we trust you, Jesus, as the head. In any way, God, that we've put human systems or any way that we've put human roles in the place of you, Jesus, being the head, God, I pray that you would tear it down. We trust, Jesus, that you are the head of your church. We don't want to build what you have for us ahead in human wisdom, human strength, and human understanding. We need your spirit. For those that are sitting here this morning and and have a desire to be an elder, I thank you for that, God. As your word says in 1 Timothy, it's good to desire to be an elder. I pray that you would um, begin making it clear who it is that you have for us in this season at Rampark. I pray that in all of these things that you call us to, God, that we would, as your word says, we'd walk in great humility, that we'd submit to one another and that we walk in humility, that we would not say, well, your, your role's more important than mine, or your role's more important than that one, you're better at this than that, that we would walk in humility gentleness towards one another building each other up god we pray this in jesus name amen